Olivia, do you see this piece of tape? Do you see this piece of tape? I want you to I want you to take this piece of tape and I want you to put it on your body. On my body? Yeah, put it on your body. Okay. I'm gonna take the tape off, okay? Okay. Now I'm gonna put the tape on onto Aiden. Okay. (gasps) I'm gonna put the tape onto Aiden. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip it off, okay? Kayla, I'm going to put this tape on you, okay? Nolan, I'm going to put the tape. Olivia, do you want this tape? Is this tape going to stick to you it's now? It's not sticking anymore. Is it sticky? Anymore. Is it even, can it even stick to you? No, it's not sticking anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's like if you have sex, okay? Yeah. If you have sex with everyone in this room, someone outside of this room does not want to have sex with you. Emily, I want you to, <laughs> Emily, I want you to spit into this wine glass. Okay. <laughs> Don't actually oh, do man, it. Oh, man, this kind of like is hot. Emily, spit into that wine glass. Um, I want you to, you pass it to Kayla. <laughs> Kayla, spit into this wine glass. <laughs> Um, no one, will you please spit into this wine glass? Spit in the wine glass. You, you don't want to, you don't even want to spit. You don't even want, want to spit into it. Ugh. Aiden, <laughs> would you like to spit into this wine glass? No. Um, well, <laughs> now I've got to ask myself the question, do I want to drink this wine now that you've spit into it? I don't think I do. Yeah. And that's what happens when you have sex with so many people. So many. You know what? But I do like the fact that you have to ask yourself, do people even want to have sex with you because no one spit in your wine glass? So when I say the word patriarchy, oh well. Unclench your butthole. I love my dad. I like to freaking Google it. Keep going. I'll shut up. Slap it on and just get it on. You're telling your daughter that. Well, you shouldn't talk about that. That's bad. Learning what like a sexual partner is, and learning what respect yeah. is, and learning what love is. It's a hard journey we're on. <laughs> oh my god! I wish we had Oreos. That's another one. Oreos, where you lick mm-hmm. the Oreo and pass it around, and then oh, the last person with the Oreo. I would eat that Oreo. You'd still eat I it. Eat the shit. Yeah, out you Oreo. would. You'd still mm-hmm. eat the Oreo. Slap some peanut butter on that. Ooh. Ooh, I love it. All right, today, what are we talking about? Uh, purity culture. We're giving an introduction, just an introduction to purity. Yeah, I'm culture. dropping my wine glass. Oh, thank God no one's spitting it. Okay. Oh, thank God. No, no okay. one wants to. We're just giving an introduction to purity culture because it is a very loaded and long-standing thing that we could say so much about, but if people have never even heard of purity culture. Yeah. Well, what is? What would you... If someone's like, what is that, Olivia? What is that? Okay. If someone asked me what purity culture is... Yes. Oh, my gosh. There's so much that comes up in my brain. I would say that it is a... Um, System that stemmed from uh, evangelical Christianity trying to make people not have sex with each other before marriage to stay holy and pure in the eyes of God. But there's so much more than that. Yeah, there is. There is so so much much more than that. I want to go back, back to the beginning. I think I'm going to keep um, quoting the Hillary Duff song every mm. time we go into history. Yeah. Let's go back. Back to the beginning. Of purity culture, which actually doesn't quite start at, um, you know, Christian evangelical sort of thinking. It actually stems more from um, the system of prohibition. Do we remember prohibition? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's when uh, we weren't allowed to drink. Yeah. Except back for the, in the... Well, that was America. Back in the day. That back was in America. America. Yes, in America. Back in the day where people were not allowed to drink because it was a constitutional law for you to not be able to drink. Wild. We're going to actually see 
some uh, serious parallels between the prohibition and purity culture and uh, the way that it ties into uh, our lives today. Dude, this is this is super cool. As we drink, I love this. I'd like to drink to that. Yeah. (laughs) If you remember your history, prohibition was in the 1920s. It went into the 1930s. I'd like to say from what I know of history, from my English degree and my study of literature, um, the modernist movement that was post, um, post-World post War I, people went to war. Um, they came back a little fucked up. So yeah. uh, they had a lot of trauma post-war, dealing with killing people and coming back and just trying to live normal life as an American was very difficult for mm-hmm. men. And so the response to, to that was, um, uh, you know, books like The Great Gatsby, where we see like people looking at the American dream and deconstructing it, dare I say, from the war, we yeah. get a problem, which is men dealing with their traumas through alcohol. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no therapy for like PTSD. They don't know what PTSD is. No, they there's don't know not, about it. They don't even know what emotion is. No. If women get horny, they're like, you need to lie down, you crazy woman. You need to go sit in an <laughs> attic with a bunch of yellow wallpaper <laughs> and go fucking nuts. Dude, think of the art we could create. If every time we got horny, we got locked in a yellow room, dude. I would be so rich because I'd just be, be clawing at the out. walls with our fingernails. I would. And, I would. Um, there was um, a lot of belligerent drunks just being um, turds. <laughs> I believe the that's the legal word. That's just that was the term. They say it's in the papers. When prohibition happened, there's a lot of the mention of the word turd. Look it up. Google it. Google it. it. <laughs> Google it. Would you say that it's almost like as crazy as the opium movement is now? Like opium? They're all doing... Yeah. It doesn't sound that crazy. Like, drunk man on the street. It's like we've all gone outside. Yeah, but it got like, to be a problem. Yeah, that's an thing. actual and societal problem. Right. They were like, oh shit, there are so many people getting so drunk and so doing much. and being so stupid. Yeah. We need to do something about yeah. it. So, there is a difference between distraction from mm-hmm. and alleviation of. So that's a good difference to, yeah, I know. That's a good difference to hold on to as we go through this movement because distraction from is alcohol. I'm going to distract my mind from all the trauma of war. Alleviation of would probably be therapy because that's going to actually deal with the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. So hold on to that. Now we have a problem. What is our solution? There are people who want to moderate alcohol, who's like, ah, oh, well, let's just kind of like chill it out. Let's, uh, let's lessen. Let's try to, you know, be, be, you know, be a little wise about it. Mostly what happened, though, is extremist, mm-hmm. and that's a buzzword, extremist um, views of, uh, yeah, you know, this is a problem, and I don't even know how to deal with it. So, you know what? Why don't we just take out what's clearly the problem uh, is just alcohol. Alcohol is the problem. Not their PTSD. Alcohol is the problem. So let's eradicate it completely. It started uh, in like small social groups of uh, mainly like churchgoers who saw a problem in society and Mm -hmm. they started in their own communities uh, lessening their use of alcohol to the point of let's not even have alcohol at all. Let's be a, a different. Let's be different. Let's be different than society. We're going to 
you know. Uh, I can respect that so far. Okay, Me too. Yeah, yeah. me too. I respect it. Um, But then it sort of started to ignite into this is a problem. We need to go uh, war against this problem. So uh, let's try to get everyone everywhere to uh, prohibit alcohol. So slowly over time, the movement gained traction. And eventually, in uh, 1920, alcohol was prohibited by law in america man we know who was their pr that. person on that because that's like some good viral some stuff going susan on susan from the uh, a woman did this yeah man, no it's uh, uh, that's i gotta not, get it behind that's it. not factual okay. i was just making a like it's if probably a woman did a, it i have to say yes a woman named karen that... or susan kathy yeah, yeah someone yeah. like that who's just like Meh! <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that you just made Nolan laugh? Wait, that's <laughs> she just got she, really she angry. Was that was so the noise horny. of anger. She was so that was horny nor- that she just <laughs> took it out. That she- was the noise of constipation you and anger. What? If my husband religious constipation, was, yeah, religious. If my husband was getting drunk in the night, like every night, I wish I had the balls to go to the government and be like, <laughs> "Listen, I have to be with this man every day. You get rid of this, you okay? Get rid of it. Or I'm setting my house on fire with." me and it wow so like Susan. Lyndon B. Johnson I don't know who was president back then okay anyways so this brought about total abstinence let's take that total abstinence say it again total abstinence um so the um and also by the way I'm going to plug this book now because I'm going to be using a lot of ideas from this book it's called Shameless by Nadia Bowles Weber which oh, is sitting Nadia. right next to me yeah. Nadia you queen she says the religiosity of the prohibition movement was stoked by a genuine desire to lead holy lives pleasing to God. But purity is easier to regulate than holiness. I actually spend a lot of my time trying to explain what purity culture is because I'm studying purity culture here in the UK where very few people experience anything even remotely similar to purity culture. This is Alyssa Lucero a grad student at the University of Glasgow. She's currently writing her dissertation on purity culture in the U.S. Sex was the last thing I had on my mind, and many of my participants in my interviews said similar things, precisely because sexual thoughts and feelings were so demonized in purity culture. Girls in purity culture are really concerned about modesty and whether they're covering up enough of their skin. Boys are really concerned about lust, which can often be a code word for pornography. And overall, there's just the sense that bodies are dangerous and that we need to be very, very careful to not accidentally fall into a sinful lifestyle. I would say that purity and the purity movement is a lifestyle and a way of being for many people. I would also say that purity culture emerges from specific interpretations in evangelicalism of biblical texts that connect sexuality so strongly to sin or the possibility for sin. My interview participants also, without me prompting them, reflected on some good things they experienced growing up in purity culture. They talked about feeling like they were taught to take their bodies and sexuality seriously and that was gave them pride and it felt good. Um, they also talked about, they appreciated that they got a different message about sex um, than they were already getting online from porn. They talked about appreciating learning about boundaries, and they also talked about developing empathy for their parents and realizing how challenging it is to raise a child, especially in the 21st century. Some of the extreme measures taken to uh, 
scare people away from alcohol. Mm. School books started to teach abstinence from alcohol with extreme fear tactic, p- tactics, i.e., even one drop will burn your throat and deteriorate the lining of your stomach. Um, it could cause deafness. It could cause oh lunacy. Um, and, of course, it could cause spontaneous combustion. Dude, that's what they say about cum. What? <laughs> <laughs> lunacy. Deafness. I could spontaneously combust. Could you imagine telling your daughter that to prevent blowjobs? Honey. One drop will destroy the lining of your stomach. <laughs> Burn your throat. You will become deaf. You know Karen? Karen K- Susan, Susan over there? Karen Susan Kathy? Dude, she... <laughs> Kathy Karen Susan. Dude, one blowjob, man. She can't hear any... What? He's like, Karen, Karen, can we do that again? And she's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't. I'm, my name is Come Karen. Again. I can't. Come, Come again! again! <laughs> we didn't really didn't mean for this to happen. <laughs> okay, so mm. the extremist fear mongering and more and more communities popping up that adhere to this sort of power of fear mongering, meaning like more and more communities are like prohibit alcohol and they're like, okay, sounds like a good idea. I'm on board. But speakeasies started erupting. There were these literal criminal empires popping up because of the prohibition of alcohol, which didn't fix the problem at all. It maybe even made it worse. Like, and here, here is the main point that I want to get at. People started hiding it. They just start hiding it. When you make rules to ban it, they just start hiding it. Yeah. So Prohibition ends in 1933 because the government started realizing, like, oh, we're losing so much money because of this. <laughs> because, like, all of the mobsters are making all the money. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we should probably end this because it's not actually really helping. People are just doing it anyways. Point is, prohibition doesn't work. Doesn't work. Well, maybe that's uh, fear tactics don't work. Could be. Maybe fear is a great way to get someone to agree to you quickly. Fear is a great way, you know, to get people on board. Let's get rid of this right. thing. But then once the fear wears off and logic comes in and reasoning comes in. We're like, hang on, so. What a so. Are you, is that French? I, uh-huh. Wait, I spilled, Wait a, on my I spilled a French wine on you and suddenly well, you're French. So. <laughs> Okie dokie. So 1933 prohibition ends. Now, next big milestone I want to get into is uh, World War II happens in 1945. It ends in 1945. When men went off to war in World War II, women were taking their places in jobs. Yeah. So women were like, oh, we got to step up and uh, do the man's job. Now, war ends. Men come back from war. Women are just supposed to kind of go back into what they were doing, being housewives, and that's pretty much it. But I think they got a taste of what life could be like, and they are like, Hung on a second. Yeah, wait. Hung on a second. Like pockets? <laughs> pockets. Oh, po- like dress pockets and yeah, pants and pockets. Pants. <gasps> pants. Like, pants? They were like, I gotta put a dress back on? I could, I could put on pants? I miss my pockets. <laughs> I miss pockets. I'm gonna set my bra on fire because I miss some pockets. Ooh. The 1950s brought in like, American dream, baby boomers. Everyone's having babies because they're back from war. But there was that still small voice in the back of their heads that was like, there's more. (laughs) Enter the 1960s, and that brought about full force of this rebellion in sexual revolution. Women were freeing themselves in their bodies, and men weren't exactly mad about it. (laughs) Um, 
But untethered sexual activity with no sort of guidance, well, like alcohol, there were some consequences to this behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, enter Emily. The Jesus Movement. Jesus Movement. Oh, man. Okay, so the Jesus Movement began in 1967 in Haight-Ashbury, which is interesting because that's where... Where the district? Hippie, what the what? That's the beat district. Oh, right, exactly. So it's like so the beat hippie, generation. Sorry, beat yeah. generation. The beat district is a place in San Francisco where basically Jack Kerouac hung out. Yeah, Allen Ginsberg was on the street corner like howl. That's where this was. Yeah. Happening. So it's interesting that where the rebellion began, a new rebellion against the Ooh, rebellion also. Began. I love it. Okay. Right, so the Jesus movement was just a bunch of hippies who were over LSD and needed mm. a way out. They were over the orgies. They were over, you can only do so much acid to where you're like, I only see so many dicks way? in one room. Yeah. Before you're like, I don't want to put it anywhere. Oh yeah. Any of them anywhere. Let's sit in that for a second. No, let's sit on that for a second. <laughs> let's sit on that um, for a couple seconds. Yeah, guys, we'll be right back. No. <laughs> okay, so you have the Jesus movement, and they were dogmatic. The same way they were dogmatic against like right uh, against uh rallying in the streets to mm-hmm. to to fight against like the politicians who were sending our troops over to Vietnam with that same dogma. They were in the streets promoting Jesus. They were called the, the Jesus, Jesus people, freaks. Jesus freaks. And that's where we got our Jesus flyers and people preaching on the streets. Except then, that's what you did. There was no social media. Like, preaching preaching on the streets, guys, this used to be popular. This is like, my handle. In the Jesus me. movement, it was cool. Like, to sing. To, they also then took on the rock and roll of that age. Oh. And yes. Martin Luther, bring it back. He, he, he has a quote <laughs> saying, uh, what is it? Uh, why should the devil have all the good music? But in the Jesus movement, it was just super cool. They they started mimicking what the newspapers were doing, doing the same. It was just like really good PR and Billy marketing. Billy Graham. Oh, you got you got Billy Graham. You got uh, over the radio, right? Yeah, you got Chuck. What was his name? Chuck Smith. Chuck, Chuck Norris. Chuck. No, there was a lot of Chucks going on. But basically, my my dad came out of the hippie movement. He was a. Uh, it all started on the West Coast, kind of like mainly yes, mainly Costa Mesa, Costa Mesa, Boston. Calvary Chapel. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. There's so many Calvary chapels now. Just but back name then, the it was city. Just one where they would baptize in the ocean, like a good old oh Jean yeah. And my dad was a Seal Beach Calvary Chapel pastor. What was really cool about that movement is a bunch of people who had done the drug life, had mm-hmm. been very promiscuous sexually. They and saw the problems or the consequences of that behavior. Yeah. Like, articles were being written about it in on the news, like, in the Rolling Stone. Like, they gained they gained traction of the whole U.S., of just people going, what's going on? It's kind of cool. But then, once um, Nixon got, like, Watergate happened, um, it started, it kind of made everybody kind of suspicious in society now. Ooh. Right? Yes. So, it, it, they got really cynical. And suddenly they started looking at the Jesus movement and was like, maybe you're a cult. Are you brainwashing these kids? Parents started kind of being like, why? I never see my kid anymore. Like in the, what is it? The, the children of God or something? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the movements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, there's speculation that that got a little culty. There was some, there was some accounts of abuse and stuff. Anyway, but the parents of that started filing suits being like, Hey, I don't see my kid anymore. They're in this movement. What's going on? So even though some of the movements were good, some of them kind of fell apart or some of them moved out of the United States and like fled to Europe, which the children of God did. But some of these, 
movements kind of like settled down off the streets and just established themselves as churches. So they kind of reformed and became like a normal denomination. By the way, as I move forward, I'm going to mainly talk about the evangelical Christian church um, because that's the one that I know. Even though there's over 32,000 denominations of Christianity, some churches allow female pastors. Some churches don't allow women to be in leadership. Some churches are gay friendly. Some believe that it's a habitual sin in their life. Basically then, so once these churches calmed down a little bit, what really fueled their fire again is when when everything happened with AIDS, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got like late 70s, early 80s, and um, they took it to Reagan, and Reagan gave them so much money. They gave fund, they funded- To, to abstinence only? Abstinence only, uh, like education programs. Because like, of AIDS, like as a contrast yes. to AIDS. Yeah, because they okay. were scared. They were terrified. They didn't know what AIDS was. And what's a great solution when there's a crazy problem that we learned in Prohibition? Prohibit. Get, get rid of it. <laughs> Abstinence only. Yeah. So, I mean, and that makes sense, right? Like, guys walking through the street, beating their wives. We got AIDS. People are dying for, like, no reason. We don't Let's know what's going on. sex at all because that's what's causing this. And then and right? the church goes, see, we told you. We've been telling you. We've been telling you. And look at people are dying. People are dying. It's also worse because the church saw the gays, and they also said, some of them said that God was punishing them for their homosexuality, uh-huh. which is a terrible thing. Not all churches would say that, but guess what? They did then. So, I'm going to talk about <gasps> some modern day tactics to that that the church has used to help their youth avoid sex so i'm calling them like avoiding tactics so we have purity rings right so the government with this two billion dollars since 1981 has created some good abstinence merch let's get into (laughs) it purity rings i had one it was a thumb ring okay mine Uh, was not I actually wanted my purity ring. I asked for it for my 15th birthday. Absolutely. My parents Do you went still to, have it? Oh my gosh. Some random like secondhand jewelers where we got to pick out my diamond ring oh, really? that I wore in my wedding ring. Dude, I got mine from C28. Do we remember C28? It was like that Christian merch store, right? We got t shirts. We got keychains. I wish I knew we about got, it. I didn't know about it. Oh, it's like stands for like Corinthians 28. Oh mm, man, I don't know the verse. Cool. But okay, so we got like purity rings. You got keychains you got shirts you got mints that say marriage is meant for for wait no sex is meant for marriage mint explain mint to me what do you mean by mint like no dude mint you just gum? do anything it's like when you go to a sex shop you have sex mints you go to a christian oh my store God, so you got actually christian like mints. breath mints yeah these are breath mints dude dude I, this is abstinence merch and then they to also freshen your breath to so, make out exactly so they had this <laughs> there was this company called the silver ring thing and they promoted things like only horizontal keep your clothes on zipped and buttoned you know like tactics to keep you sexually pure and uh, they used to host events that culminated an invitation for adolescents to sign a purity pledge and give their life to Christ as essentially at the, essentially the same time, again, connecting this, the concepts of salvation with pure, purity. I can't tell you how many times I've signed one of those. Oh, no way. So, so many times. Uh, but like, you're going strong, though. Yeah, I know. So there's this idea of connecting the concepts of salvation with purity. So the more, the more dogma we have, the more money thrown into this abstinence only programs and, and really stressing this for teens and like children and just pushing this and pushing this. We somehow on the same level put salvation with sexual purity. Somehow mm-hmm. along the way, it got put on the same level. And that's when we develop some issues, I would say. 
statistics show that just as many people outside the purity culture uh, raised in the movement, movement continue to go on to have sex outside of marriage with severe repercussions of shame surrounding sex that only gets worse into an adulthood. There's also then the guarding your heart. That was very stressed when I was younger. Guard your heart. Oh yeah. Guard your heart. What did that mean for you? Um, guard your heart meant like pay attention to your feelings. Yes. When someone is telling you something that's a little too affectionate okay. or, um, or like, um, don't look at things that you shouldn't look at because you need to guard your heart because you got to keep your heart oh, okay. in check. So don't, don't watch those scenes right. in that movie. You better skip it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I can't relate to the whole boyfriend on the couch thing, but like, be careful. Your boyfriend's oh right gosh. next to you on your couch. You yeah. better not touch his knee. You don't know. You better guard your heart. Yeah. And they told boys, too, to guard her heart. Yeah, guard for her them. Heart. For them. You better guard her heart. What about his heart? Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, what about, like, what is he, God now? That He's just God seems now. like such a big responsibility to guard take care heart. of another person. What are you doing, bro? Guard her heart. Guard her heart. Yeah. You it's asshole. Like, yeah. Guard her damn well, heart. Well, this is well, this <laughs> goes really doing? nicely into gender roles, how gender roles plays a part in this. In purity culture? Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about complemented complementarianism Ooh, we're going there yeah we're just real quick there. i mean you could dedicate a whole podcast to that <laughs> yes, but could. this was these were the pr primary gender roles within the religion that i grew up in and i think you did too absolutely yeah okay so this is the idea that there are two distinct genders that have equal worth in god's eyes oh that's so sweet Aww. oh wait there's more but they but are wait. but there are very different roles responsibilities and expectations on earth okay so the man is to be undeniably mas masculine as he practices patience and understanding as a leader. Okay. Whereas the woman is to be irrefutably feminine and to lovingly consent to and support the leadership of a man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was what was preached to. to and how does that life. make you feel? <clears throat> before I, I was told that it was an honor to um, submit to my husband and whatever, like at the end, of, like you can fight about it, but at the end of the day, his word goes and you just go with him and you trust him because yeah. he's being led by God. Yeah. Apparently I don't know anything, but he's the head of the household. So by God, I'm supposed to, by God, I'm supposed to follow whatever he decides. Yeah. yeah. No matter he is the what. leader of the household. He yeah. is the leader of us and like yeah um yet we're told that god speaks to us equally yet we are told that we are equal mm -hmm. but as as a child i had this huge desire to lead i had this huge desire to teach and i was told that i could not be a pastor yeah right so i just you know and i just accepted that i was just like absolutely and i remember being like wait i could be a college professor though and be a guest speaker loop at holes. a church i was trying to find loopholes yeah, loop and then i became a stand-up comedian yeah wow, that works and then that kind of works too so also this goes into the a really important role for a woman is to not be a stumbling block right let's oh, talk about this i love this a stumbling block yeah something breasts oh your stumbling block. I know. Absolutely. Shoot. Gonna, what do I do? Uh, what do you do? They're Wear a tire shirt, <laughs> you little slutty girl. <laughs> you little slutty 10-year-old. Wear a better shirt. May Wear longer shorts. Okay, so, but I would like to quote first Romans 14, 13. Not oh, a God. lot of this is based off. Okay. Um, what? I'm a Bible major. Like, I have to... You were a major? Me. No, you weren't No, I wasn't. Sorry. Okay, well, you have a minor in I have Bible. A minor. Biblical oh, studies. folks, you heard it here first. We both have a minor in biblical studies. We do, so you know when I quote this one verse that I'm legit. <laughs> Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore 
more, but ra rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. God, they convoluted that. Dude, also, <laughs> I love the idea, too, of calling someone I'm attracted to my brother. Me, yeah. <laughs> I miss that, you know? <laughs> like, you, like, a good way to, like, try to be cool with somebody, you're like, like, the tension's building, you're, like, so horny, and you're like, you're just, I just love you, my brother in Christ, and you're like, ah! But what's interesting is the real interpretation of a stumbling block for this verse is a true reference to living a non-judgmental life. Okay. So the verse before it is, let us then pursue or after it. Forgive me. So let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Now, I don't wow. know exactly what this means. I think it's about if you go to someone's house and they offer you unclean food, something which would have gone like Happened gone against then. their tradition, yeah. you know, because they had a special diet of like kosher, like clean and unclean food. But I do believe that this has nothing to do with wearing a push-up bra at the age of 13. Mm. I can't, I feel, I feel like strongly. at the lake. I, feel, <laughs> I, I strongly believe that this verse written by Paul the Apostle was not about wearing board shorts at summer camp. There was a lack of depth to the sort of application of like purity culture. It just was like, sex is bad, don't do it. And then there wasn't a whole lot of follow-up. And it was also a little contradictory because we play really weird games in youth group. I played this game called the winking game, which was literally like, this sounds so bad now that I'm saying it, like a circle of dudes, like there's a chairs and there's dudes standing around the chairs and there's girls sitting on the inside, but one dude doesn't have a girl in his chair. And all the girls have to look at the one guy without a chair and he has to wink at them and if he winks at you you have to get up and run over to his chair but it's up to the guy behind you to keep you in your chair i held hands with the, my first boyfriend when i was 16 and i felt so bad about it because that wasn't guarding my heart right yeah in the morning i was like i remember i was at the kitchen table having coffee with my mom and I was like, I committed a sin. <laughs> and she was like, no, you didn't. You didn't do anything wrong. But then I told him that I didn't think we should have held hands, that I thought it was wrong. And we only dated for a couple more weeks and then he stopped talking to me. <laughs> the, the side of like purity culture, so to speak of, that I kind of knew was like, girls wearing like purity rings and like oh we're we're saving ourselves from marriage and it was literally like on the wedding hand same finger saving myself for Jesus a lot of the rings had that on it this and that most of them weren't even really true about it you know it was more so just a, just an image thing oh we're gonna say this girls had to wear it to like please their parents same thing with guys but like we were all growing up and going through puberty and like no, like, <laughs> no. From the church, they say girls have 92% more likely uh, are more of likely. a chance to experience sexual shame than boys in the uh, church. That's interesting because, like, I get that. 
But also with what I, my experience was boys um, were always just assumed that they were watching porn. Like it just was assumed that <laughs> yeah. you were viewing porn. And yeah. so for us girls, we had to like hold them up and be like, we can't tempt them yeah. to like go because, look at porn yeah. with our bodies. So we yeah. have to like sh- shelter our bodies yeah. so they don't get tempted to like look at us like they yeah. look at porn. I don't know. And so yeah. like, it was sort of like, I mean, and they told them not to, obviously they were like, this is a big struggle for you gentlemen, but you ladies, you innocent, beautiful ladies, like they used to say that a lot. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're not, you're not thinking about any of that. So protect yourselves. Ask him to guard your heart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> guard my heart. Yeah. Oh my God. As I'm shoving like toothbrushes in my vagina. Oh! <laughs> Have you heard about that story of the girl that sat on a broom and died? Yeah, dude. I was like two steps away from doing that. You don't even want to know because every time I accidentally tell someone exactly the objects that have been in there, Yikes. they just don't talk to me anymore. I'll and still so, talk to no, you. No, I can't. This is not this a is safe space. I'm only on a stick. You know what? Every single <laughs> guest... <laughs> Okay, what were you saying? What I'm saying is, yes. there's so much shame in that, and yes. no one was saying like, "Well, it's the st- it's the it's the thing where it's like, oh, boys are assumed, so like we it's already okay. know. We so already it's almost know. like it's okay. It's almost like it's okay. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah, it's, it's not, not okay. okay. But like, ah, we stumbled again. Yeah, just get back or up. Like for girls, it's like that's not even an option. My, like, do you even think? About, like, you don't even think. Yeah, or think about I that. almost too. It's so interesting. I almost thought. I wasn't attracted to guys' bodies because why are they allowed to wear like mini shorts and it's hilarious and I have to wear this giant t-shirt and board yes. shorts. So shit. So men's bodies aren't like sexually attractive. Sexually attractive. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like I started developing this weird mis- complex. Complex of being like drawn and I found women's bodies really mysterious and like I wanted oh, to see we women's were all bodies. conditioned that way. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm still very confused. Like I identify as bisexual, I but sometimes I go, is it conditioned? Uh-huh. Am I, is it because Makes of sense. media and the way I watch a like Carl's Jr. commercial or yeah. because of the shame around men? So I just pushed them away and was like, and I, well, if I love a woman, then I don't feel guilty and women don't count. Hmm. So which is obviously tragic. It's kind of like that mindset of I dated a guy and he said, yeah, I could date women because they don't count. And then I don't count. This idea was that, he gay? Wait, what? No, I'm he not was following. straight male. <laughs> okay, straight male didn't mind me like dating other women. He actually encouraged it because it would oh, take some of the load off him. Oh, and it's hot. Yeah, so he would have less responsibility with Whoa. me. And then, and, but and then and then I'm like, what about other guys? And he'd be like, and he would get so upset. He'd be like, absolutely not. So I'm just like, wow, you actually you don't even take women's sexuality with each other seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have uh, found something very interesting that was a very popular talk through the abstinence only until marriage kind of educational system that was looping around the U.S. It's called The Knight in Shining Armor, and it's a story that reached over 4 million students in 47 states. I I would also like to say that I got this story from the book Pure by Linda K. Klein, and she is genius. I got a lot of everything I'm saying basically right now from this book called Pure, Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed a Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. If you want to check that book out, if you like anything I'm saying, read the book. She has way more to say than I do. Pure, please read Shameless, pure. Okay, so we have The Knight in Shining Armor, and it's a beautiful tale. I'm going to try to not laugh as I say this, but I haven't even heard it, so I'm so curious. Four million students, okay? So there's this knight, 
and he's and he's with the princess and there's they're being attacked by a dragon and the knight has a sword but the princess says no you should loop a rope around the dragon's neck and choke him and that's how you should kill him and the knight doesn't really want to do that he wants to use his sword but he listens to the princess so he uses a rope puts around the dragon kills the dragon and he's kind of unsatisfied that he didn't get to use his sword but it worked Okay, so everything's good. He saved the princess. For a condom? No, absolutely not. It's but not I like the idea that everything is a metaphor for a condom. Okay. So then a second dragon attacks them, and the princess says, "I think you should use a bow and arrow." And the and the prince is like, "Man, I really want to use my sword, but I guess I'll I'll use a bow and arrow." So he kills the dragon again. The great like they succeeded, but he's not feeling very satisfied. So then one day he's walking and a maiden gets attacked by a dragon and he, and she goes, I don't know what to do. I don't know how you should kill the dragon. And the knight comes in with his sword, slays the dragon. And the moral is that men like occasional suggestions, but at the end of the day, you just have to let them do what they want to do so they can feel like a man. Oh, and that was taught to children. Four million children. Like, and a woman. Like, occasional suggestions are allowed, but just at the end of the day, the just Never let mind. him use his sword? Like... Just let him use his sword. Just let, just let him Bitch, do... just let him use his sword. I know. Like, like almost like don't... Because he's going to be unsatisfied if you right. don't let him if get his way in the indulge. end. Because wow. he's going to get annoyed with you. Oh! That is a great summary of purity culture in, like, where it came from, what it did, mm-hmm. how it used different methods to shame a generation yeah. of people into uh, not having sex. And if they even touched uh, something that uh, was even close to sex, mm-hmm. they would feel utter dread and mortification. Mm-hmm. So with all that being said, in regards to purity culture, where are you at now? Where am I at right in this moment? Um, it's been a, like a very long journey, purity culture. And it's only very recently that I've actually had to do the self work to, I don't know, attempt, just attempt to overcome uh, the shame wounds that are really deep inside me of like the insecurities um, that I gained from, you know, being in a culture that tells you that you're a holy image bearer of God, but at the same time, inadvertently shames your body for uh, what it naturally <laughs> would like to be doing. And so um, it's been like a, it's been a long road, but um, today I have come to love and appreciate my sensual self, which is also part of my like holistic self. Like that is, that is part of me and it's not something that I need to be ashamed about. Um, but I can't help, but, you know, uh, be aware of the fact that I also have, you know, traumas that aren't, um, that have yet to surface. So I have this strange part of me that, um, is totally unknown when it comes to relationships because I haven't been in one and, and dating is so weird um, that I, I have a lot of fear there in approaching things. And I know a lot of people, I've talked to so many friends who are in this now who are finally getting into relationships where they've come out of purity culture and they're finally like, oh, I, I think I want to have sex with my boyfriend. 
And they have to have such trusting, respectful, loving partners to go through that slowly and patiently in order for them to be able to feel comfortable in that space. So for me, I've come up with a a sexual ethic for myself. Um, I've had to place boundaries on myself knowing that there are things that I I don't know about inside me that could be potentially triggered by a partner. And so um, I'm not having casual sex. Like I've never... I've never even kissed somebody. And so like, for me, it's wise to, you know, approach these things slowly, knowing that like, there are responses within my body, um, mind, spirit that um, could cause me anxiety. Um, And so like, that's, that's, it's strange, because it comes back to, you know, in the Christian culture, and the purity culture, I mean, we're supposed to wait till marriage to have sex and marriage equals love and marriage equals commitment. Mm. Um, But for me, I still... I still desire that, but like, if I'm going to have sex, it's not, it's, um, it doesn't need to be with like a ring and an American ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I feel that I'm in a relationship that's loving, that, um, I trust the person that I, that this person knows me. And that's kind of why I identify as demi and sapiosexual, because I honestly don't think I can get fully aroused and comfortable with someone unless we're intellectually Unless I'm, I feel intellectually connected, I feel emotionally connected. I feel like you know me and I know you, and that like the fears and insecurities from high school of rejection and uh, instability, fear of you know <laughs> men hurting me. I guess that still lingers, and so I really need to be in a trusting, committed space um, in order to do that. But that's just me, you know. I love so- that. <laughs> I I love that you like. I love the idea too of you waiting. You're like, bro. I'm not a prude. You just don't know my kink, and my kink is like yeah, intellectual <laughs> stimulation, and you don't have it. Right. You know, because sometimes bro, I feel like I've boundaries. I've had partners who make me feel guilty that like I didn't want to do certain things. Mm. You know, and it's like, and it's like, who said that 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 participating in like physical hands-on sexual act is the sexier route Mm. like whereas you you're like put me by a fireplace and let's talk about (sighs) play-doh and then like be my friend (laughs) be my best friend for seven months and then let's do it in my bed like you know (laughs) yeah it's in a forest yeah i don't know (laughs) oh yes totally i've i yeah so i am a sexual person despite my background with purity culture you know and i've come into that and loved that but i know there are some wounds there yeah. And like abstinence until marriage is fine if that's your choice. If your actions are aligning with your values, that's great. And so mm-hmm. like that's kind of what I'm trying to do is have values of myself wow. that I've discovered and have my actions align with that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's me. But I want to know for you coming out of purity culture, being <laughs> indoctrinated in that for a long time, living the life that you live now, where are you at with all of that? I think I'm definitely in a less bitter place. I think before I was really angry and I was having sex with whomever because it's my body and I can do whatever I want. And just because um, I felt that certain men took something from me within the realms of sex that I I was kind of like rebelling against men who had hurt me and I was rebelling against the church. I was just rebelling against everyone. I was like screaming, you know, just ah! and like yeah, just like like this is my here. body and I realized I don't have to be angry at anyone. I just have to um 
just actually look at myself and be like, do you even like what you see? Mm. <laughs> and and then do you even like the person in front of you? Mm. So I'm in a state of forgiveness, forgiving the church, forgiving my parents. for, And they even now they're like, did we teach you that about sex? Really? And I'm like, yes, yes, mom, you did. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, my mom was like, I literally thought you were gonna get a boyfriend and figure it out. I was like, that's not what you told me. And you just so, saw that and didn't tell me. About yeah, it. yeah. My mom was like, don't have sex before marriage. Don't date. And Emily, why aren't you dating? I'm like, you told me dating was bad. And then she's like, Dad. I didn't mean it. And I'm like, Oh, my God. <laughs> do as I said, not as I do. Yeah, right. My mom was like, Oh, and so I'm just forgiving the church, forgiving my parents forgiving even even boyfriends who just didn't know that what they were doing was triggering for me mm-hmm. like t- you know because I'm like I used to think like if I had bad sex I would literally break up with a guy because I'm just like you're terrible and it's like no sex is going to be awkward and like you just have to communicate so mm-hmm. and most of all forgiving myself because though I am sex positive I'm definitely changing my ethics of what how casual sex gets for me Right. Like I'm in a very, I tell my friends, I'm like, I feel celibate right now because I am choosing to not have sex with people I don't like. Um, (laughs) I will say this. I realized that purity culture sent me on a whirlwind of finding my own um, rules. uh, And sometimes it's been rebellious and sometimes it's been in a a genuine truth seeking manner. Mm. And now my ethics are slightly changing as I discover more of my uh, self-worth and what turns me on and like what I actually want. And sometimes, you know, a year ago, I was not ready for a monogamous relationship. And now I am. So that's, it's not saying I was in a wrong place, but just, it's easy to look back at people you've slept with and been like, oh, I was so wrong. Like that was a mistake. And it's just, just really letting go of that guilt and that shame. And just, cause that's what, purity culture kind of like it's basically like if you're not a virgin you messed up and yeah. now you carry that baggage and it's like and it's what that's such a fear tactic so gone. so really being like you know it's a part i lived my life and right. when i meet a person i want to partner with in this life mm-hmm. we will share our story and make new stories well purity culture it's interesting because purity culture there's nothing wrong with like the christian idea of love and uh as far as i know because i'm still a christian I call myself a Christian still. I might look a little different than some others, but you know. Um, but purity culture kind of like warped a lot of things and took, uh, used tools and tactics that seemed to me to be fear based and trying to control people and trying to have power over people's bodies and their choices. I don't know why you would want to do that, but. Uh, You know, like, it it seems like sex was just something that was so uncontrollable, I guess, and so enticing that it was getting people away from God when really, like, if you have, like, a healthy sexual mindset about yourself, like, people see God, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I would encourage us to have you dove into yourself and seen seeing how the like how you were trained as a child like what roles meant like for men and women mm-hmm. and do you really believe um <laughs> in your worth <laughs> yeah kind of it's just like just self That's just huge. a self-reflection right. and realize like what you value and do you actually believe that your opinion is valid right. and you are worth the fight of finding mm-hmm. your own ethics right i think the inherent value is so crucial like yeah. having that um, be the center um, when you approach things with your body, with your mind, spirit, whatever it is. Yes. Know your worth. Mm. You beautiful creature. 
You're a beautiful creature. Know your worth. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I lo- I didn't know you were such an actress. I used to uh, dabble. <laughs> okay. We love are, you guys. We love you all so much. <sighs> Make good love. You know? And grow up. <laughs> and, and, and try your best to grow up. Try. We're all trying. Mwah. You. <laughs> That's how you kiss, Olivia. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to Making Love and Growing Up. Um, If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us out a lot and lets us know what you think. Also, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at mlgu.podcast. And finally, we want to hear from you. How has sex ed gone wrong or right for you? Email us at makingloveandgrowingupgmail.com with any and all of your experiences, whether they're good or bad or funny or sad. We want to know. So thanks, guys. We love you so much, and we look forward to hearing from you.